know who this is, but I love this. Welcome back to Kyra Nights. This is another track off the epic album Marquee Moon from television. The band Tom, the late Tom Verlaine played guitar for. I gotta tell you, I miss this band completely, and I feel lucky to know it now. They are seriously good. Part of the memorial, memoriam, I should say, the memoriam at this year's Grammy presentations on Sunday night. Again, uh, the fact that they missed the late Alan White's passing in their tribute was well, it was it was painful for us here in the Northwest who had the pleasure of seeing Alan play so many times locally. Fans of the band, yes. Uh, fans of John Lennon's work, Imagine, or Instant Karma, or George Harrison's My Sweet Lord, or any of the numbers of tunes that Alan White had the uh, the, the the privilege of playing on, and we had the privilege of fans of hearing over the years a fifty year career with Yes and snubbed. And I know it was an honest mistake. There was we lost so many stars last year. I thought the Grammys did a wonderful job of the memoriam, the different tributes that they did. They had four different live musical presentations that were centered around the loss of artists this year, and they did a wonderful job of incorporating live performers. Um, and 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 the visual board, I mean, some like Olivia Newton John, some of the stars we lost this year, but it, anyway, they did a nice job. Sorry they missed Alan White. How about the Powerball winner being from Auburn? That never happens. That somebody locally, you know, wins this Powerball, the the ninth largest award in in the lottery's history. All, all the winning numbers. 511, 22, 23, 69, and a Powerball number of seven. And it was only one winner. And it was sold locally. I, you, I can't remember the last time there was a major winner from this area. You know, and, and if usually when there's someone that, that, you know, you hear, oh, that was pretty close to us, and there's a, you split it with three other, four other people, there are multiple winners, yada, yada. But one winner, and the ticket sold at the Fred Meyer in Auburn. I've been in that store. Could have been me. I didn't play. I didn't play this time. Yeah, it's funny how when somebody buys a winning ticket, then the place that they bought it from starts to have this air of mystique. Like you assume there's something uniquely lucky about the place because they happen to sell the winning ticket. The second time, by the way, that uh, a Washington resident has won the Powerball jackpot ticket. And both tickets were purchased in Auburn. The last time was in 2014, and that winner got $90 million for having all the right numbers and the Powerball number. This single winner will receive $754 million, nearly three three quarters of a billion dollars. That's after taxes if they take a one-time lump sum payout. Incredible. And we always do these stories when the Powerball number hits. What would you do? How would you change your life? Would you hide? Would you tell anybody? Would you help anybody? I have <laughs> many flaws, as the text line is so eager to point out. 888-973-5476. If you'd like to point out my flaws, jump on the board, on the train here. Um, generosity probably being my worst, I think. One of my greatest flaws is my horrible mismanagement of my time. I won't say, I very rarely say no. To anybody who asks for help for my time, I'll, I'll go and do anything. What do you need? If I can do it, I'm there. If I'm busy, if I've got commitments, if I don't have the means or time, I can't, but I would like to be able to. If I could, I would. If I can, I do. Oh, and I misspoke. 754 was the single winner. A, and a one-time 
cash payment would be $407 million. They would get the $754 million if they took the payments over 29 years. I think they'll be all right either way. I think they'll be all right either way. Most people feel like if you take the cash and invest it, you can do better than you would in gaining that money. Especially if you use it to buy Lego. <laughs> Is that a good investment? Well, actually, it does outperform the stock market. Lego? If you invest and hold in certain Lego sets that are in high demand, yes. Now, let me ask you this. Do you get to open these sets, or are they only valuable if they remain sealed in their saran wrap, whatever they put on that stuff? If you're looking for something extremely rare and you're a perfectionist collector, yes, the ones that are sealed in box do command a higher price. But you can still get a very good price simply by taking care of it and keeping all of the pieces, maintaining the manuals, etc. And if the box is in good condition then you can still get a pretty decent price off of it. I, I, I don't know the market for selling things because I mentioned to you this month and last, one of my New Year's resolutions is to have less things than I did at the start of this year, to declutter our house. We've been going through, painstakingly going through every closet, every drawer, every box, the storage unit, the garage, the shed, you name it. Because I've got a bit, I'm not a hoarder. I don't think I don't. You are a collector. I'm a collector of anything I put my fingers on. I collect. Um, I and I've mentioned this before too. I've my house has caught fire twice in my life. We've had two house fires, and that's two more than most everybody has. I know I've got a problem there. The last one, of course, was at the start of the pandemic, almost three years ago. Next month will be three years. March of 2020, our home furnace caught on fire. And luckily, the Shoreline Fire Department came quickly. They put the fire out. We had smoke damage in our entire home. We were out of the house for six months and moved back in. Insurance is a wonderful thing. As difficult as the pandemic was and as much as I'd struggled over the years, the one thing I didn't do was ever let my insurance lapse. A lot of people say insurance is a bit of a scam, and it can be difficult to navigate if you ever do need them. But when you do need them for for catastrophic events – I'm glad they were there. When my heart attack happened in June of 2020, I'm glad I had my medical insurance intact. When our home fire happened in March of 2020, I'm glad I had our home insurance intact. That's the only adult things I've ever managed to do is make sure my family was always safe and protected. When I was 15, 16, December of 79, I was 16, I started a fire accidentally that burned my parents' home to the ground. And we lost everything in this fire. And professional folks have told me over the years that through the guilt of that and the loss of everything is one of the reasons that I really don't ever get rid of anything. It's it's hard for me to not find value in everything we have and every T-shirt, every ticket stub, every bobblehead, you name it, I've still got it. And, you know, I don't think I've ever sold a vehicle. I think I've traded in one car on a newer vehicle, but I still – we've got like five cars and three motorcycles. It's ridiculous. You know, I've got I've got a truck on a friend's lawn, an old pickup truck I bought. I've got a Mustang. In the, my wife has a Mustang in the garage. I've got a, an old Beetle a friend of mine is restoring for me. I don't know how to sell anything. And, and I've got all this stuff I'd like to sell. So Spike's Trading Shop is now open. No, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> the Trading Post. What do you give me for this? I've got all this stuff. Well, there's a throwback to small market radio. The Trading Post? Oh, yeah. I used to run those shows where people would call in with stuff to sell, various uh, farm implements and livestock mostly. I remember I remember a radio contest one time where somebody had to 
barter their way to the Super Bowl. You know, I've got this started with like a matchbox car. Who will give me? Well, okay, I'll give you an autographed baseball for that matchbox car. I've got an autographed baseball. I'll give you a, a bow and arrow set. I'll, for this bow and arrow set, I'll give you a small refrigerator. For this small refrigerator, I'll give you a, you know, and, it would, and you would trade up. And they literally traded up from a matchbox car to a pair of Super Bowl tickets. I mean, that's that's fun stuff, you know. But I want to get rid of my stuff. I don't want any more stuff. Um, you know, we've we've taken to not getting new stuff. I think it's you know part of the thing of decluttering is stopping the stopping the bleeding, stopping the influx of new stuff to our home. Um, but I, I need to learn how to use the the marketplace, the internet marketplace. Every time I you know look to go to sell, I haven't even begun to start. I don't know how to list things. Not sure what their values are. I've got over 200 Beanie Babies at home because when my kid was little, that was my dad travels, dad goes to radio conventions, dad goes on trips for the show, dad goes to the Olympics, dad goes wherever. Dad goes to Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, dad goes to the Grammys, dad goes to the Emmys, the Oscars for his job. Sounds like you had a really boring life. Horrible life, terrible life. And I always bring I'm so sympathetic for the the (laughs) suffering that you've endured in your life, Spike. You know, um, for a while there, I was bringing my kid these Thomas the Tank Engine Remember those? Remember the Thomas the Train? You know, those little collector thing, or those uh, the, the cartoon for Ringo Starr. One time was the narrator. So was George Carlin, by the way. Was on Thomas the Train, Tank Train Engine, whatever the show was called. And I would bring my kid that because my, my 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 older child was little, and we had the train set with the whole you know platform. And and every time I would travel, I'd bring home a different train that that, that they didn't have yet. Until we found out the Chinese were painting with that red dye that was toxic, so we had to get rid of all those. Um, we, we, of course, pulled out the red ones because that was the problem, the red painted ones. Ended up giving those to our next-door neighbor across, or selling them to our next-door neighbor across the street who had a couple small kids. They loved it. It was a perfect time to jettison all that stuff. How did their kids turn out? Uh, the th- third year, sometimes a problem. It's class photos. Yeah. Now, I'm kidding. We, we, didn't get, we got rid of the red painted toxic ones. We, got, we, didn't, we didn't sell them the toxic ones, just the rest of them. But, you know, I, I, made, I made more money than I should have in radio years ago. Back when it was a booming industry. Now nobody can make that money in radio. Seriously, nobody. I know. I made stupid money and I was stupid with it accordingly. I mean, I've got these, I've got these beanie babies that some say are worth a lot of money. I looked on this website and I've done some research and they're the top 10 most valuable beanie babies and yada, yada, yada. I've got like seven of them and they're all in pretty, I mean, perfect condition because, you know, our kid didn't really play with them. She didn't really like them. We just kept collecting them and getting them for us. They're all new condition with the tags, yada, yada. I probably I probably could sell these for twenty thousand dollars if I pieced them out and found the right buyers. I just don't know the marketplace on how to do that. But that's my Powerball at home. It's all the junk I've collected. You know, as as a fan of sports, both local and my hometown of Baltimore, I've got autographed things from you know you name it from Jim Palmer, Brooks Robinson, Johnny Unitas, Cal Ripken Jr., but also you know Steve Largent and. Sean Alexander and Russell Wilson and, and everybody, you know, I've got all this amazing sports memorabilia and I want to, I don't need it anymore. I've got, I've got so many jerseys at home. So here's a question though. If you cashed in, if you got a nice pile from auctioning off your stuff on the internet or whatever, mm-hmm. would you splurge with it or would you invest it? Oh, I, I'd, I'd blow it on some extravagance like, oh, I don't know, like a utility bill New tires for the car. You know that crazy living. Yeah, those twenty thousand dollar utility yeah. bills really well, kill you. Well, I got to tell you. Um, no, I don't know. What, what would I do with twenty k? I'd probably, I'd probably start to pay down our kids' college, you know, tuition bill. 
Uh, and, and maybe that's a topic worth discussion too, is that should I th- my kid take on a mountain of college debt that she'll have to carry with her for her entire life? Or should, as a parent, should I do what I can and pay for her college? Or take that debt on? Well, it kind of comes out of the inheritance either way, right? Yeah, it's true. That's true. So you might as well do it while she's around to appreciate it. Yeah. That's that's the decision we made, was to not burden her with that. Although a lot of people think that when kids are actively involved in their own the cost of their own education – they take their education more seriously. Well, as you've described it, I mean, she's working. She's put a lot into this, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's oh, not yeah. like she's disengaged, so I don't see anything wrong with helping out. No, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that point of view. Yeah, it's not like she's taken, you know, a business course, something useful like business or, you know, computer programming. No, nah, she's taking art, you know, the arts. So she'll be living in my basement forever. But, that, you know, <laughs> that's what I want. But she'll be able to paint the basement. Yeah. Well, it'll look like a damn Gauguin if she does. Gauguin, whatever you go. Nice. Yeah. It'll look like a Jackson Pollock the way I paint. It's ridiculous. <laughs> well, at least art runs in the family. Yeah, it does. It always has. If you, Matt, would you change your life with a massive winning? I would, but I'd be smart and subtle about it because already I've already been in a business where due to COVID and a number of other things, I lost so much yeah. that I'm much more cautious with anything I have in the future mm. and taking care of it. So I would be subtle. I wouldn't, I've never had the appeal of being, you know, flashy rich. I don't need the gold, to- gold toilet, you know, of right. The, the huge house, massive pool, jet skis in the pool, the whole yeah, nine. Like yeah. most of the time you show me a rich person's house, like one of these big celebrity mansions that they're trying to outload. And I just think it's too much. I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want to clean that. I don't want to even pay somebody to clean that. That's just like too much room for me. It's too much. I would do something probably simple, like I would go and restore an old stone church in a small town in Scotland. Mm. Just for the coolness factor of doing something unique and something, well, admittedly, Instagrammable that I could have fun with and learn new skills. Would, would you then live in that old church building or would you I would. rebuild I would it for a community? I would put a studio in it and I would do like wow. the British DJ John Peel used to do from his house when he'd link up with the BBC Radio 1. What? Have this massive record library literally off his kitchen and do like freeform radio shows from home, from my home studio. What a cool dream, man. Yeah. Um, if I hit the big... I would, I would, first off, help far more people than I probably should. I would be generous to a fault, and th- those are the things. Once you, you know, deem something worth worthy of helping them, then everybody and their brother comes at you, and they're all worth some help. You know, there are scam artists, of course. You'd have, I'd, I'd have to hire someone. I'd have to hire a firewall. Literally a human firewall to stay between me and the request, a vetting process. Right, like some sort of financial advisor or legal representative that could keep the keep away the riffraff, well, or as uh, I call well, them, relatives. Well, yeah, <laughs> riffraff is the Scottish word for relative, by the way. Yeah. Indeed. Um, no, I mean like to vet legitimate charitable requests. Right. As sort opposed of like to the Mackenzie scammers. Scott probably right, has for right. her massive amounts of charity donations right. where things are run through a filter, the legitimacy is checked out. Yeah. You know the reputation of the organization, et cetera, and, and even a large amount of money is a finite set of resources, and you can't help everybody. So, you deem, where, where would the money go furthest? I would definitely help the people closest to me, people that I need yeah. to be truly in need. I just wouldn't yeah. advertise it. No, but if I knew somebody needed help, I'd be right there for them. And not advertising it might be the key to all happiness. The winner of the Powerball, who was with the ticket was sold again at the Auburn, Fred Meyer, hasn't come forward yet. I'm sure they will. But they haven't yet. 
Um, they have 180 days to come forward or they would forfeit the prize. And by the way, the store that sells the winning Powerball ticket, you would think that with a $750 million payout, the 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 prize for the winning ticket sold would be kind of a proportionate, commensary, huge, insane number. They receive a $50,000 bonus, the store that sold it. Still not a bad take. Not a bad take, but when you're talking about three quarters of a billion dollars, I, I think it'd be a little more, but that's, you know. Oh, know. Spike, this is gambling, not charity. That's <laughs> true, that. It's Cairo Nights. I'm Spike O'Neill along with Matt Butler. We'll be right back. Michael along with Matt Butler. Who is this, Matt? This is the great Tori Amos from okay. 1994's Under the Pink. Very talented performer. Very. Writes in an insanely unique style. And that's not a put down. It's just her own thing. She's amazing. There you go. President Biden gave a State of the Union address tonight. The governor of Arkansas, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, gave the Republican rebuttal. And they, uh, you know, just different worlds. You know, I know we live in divided political times and we all have our own points of view and our own priorities that affect our families and our lives. And I can respect and understand that. President Biden, I felt, gave a, a State of the Union address that was rooted in what they call kitchen table issues, you know, the economy, inflation, the cost of doing this, your your kids' uh, education, the safety of your families, all the issues, I, I think, uh, job creations, uh, you know, manufacturing coming back to, to America, all the things that his, you know, touting the accomplishments of the first two years of his administration, and they've been pretty substantial. There are those who think differently, and I, again, differ from you, but respect that. Uh, the response from the Republican side was somewhat, I don't know, uh, seemed unhinged to me. It talked about the choice between reality and crazy. And when you talk about, you know, detached from reality, and, uh, and the culture wars were brought up by uh, Governor Huckabee Sanders, that Republicans didn't want these culture war fights you know, but but won't back down from them. And then you look at which party is talking about what books can be taught in school, what information can be taught in school. Now, I'll give you that the sometimes the left can go too far and children can be taught things at far too early an age. Things about our country is less than honorable, less than, you know, civil history. But let's remember, it wasn't that long ago. We lived in a very divided country. Sesame Street, for example, debuted in 1970. And, you know, the, you remember, you guys, we were, we were all raised on Sesame Street, right? It was a, a town full of, full of inclusion. You know, when, when the governor of Florida is banning uh, diversity, 
um, equity and inclusion from curriculum. You know, what is what is wrong with diversity, equity and inclusion? It doesn't teach that, you know, the white student is to be made guilty or inferior. It means that all are equal. That's what equity is. That's what inclusion is. That's what diversity is. I, at least that's my perspective. But that was too much for the newly commissioned state education or state commission on education and television in the state of Mississippi in 1970. And to be fair, I'm not going to judge things by the present filter, the, you know, presentism as it's been dubbed. I'm not going to judge those folks in 1970 Mississippi. Again, the newly formed state commission on education and television. They deemed that Sesame Street was, uh, was bad for the children of Mississippi because it had children of different ethnicities on its programming, along with Big Bird and Cookie Monster and Ernie in a bathtub, to quote the story from the Washington Post, right? They voted three to two, this five-person commission, to ban Sesame Street because the children of Mississippi, it deemed, were not yet ready for it. This was in 1970, long after the Civil Rights Act had passed. And this was a time where, you know, they weren't ready for inclusion. They didn't feel the children of Mississippi were ready for Sesame Street yet. I think that's just sad, you know. Um, I, I saw Ricky Gervais give this quote, and I wish I could remember it verbatim because it was fantastic. It was about his jokes being offensive. He said, look, you know, I can't control you being offended. That's a feeling, and I, I, I believe you that you're offended, but my, my joke wasn't offensive. My joke was offensive to you. You found it offensive, not the joke. You know, if facts are offensive, he said, you know, don't change the facts, change the feelings. You know, if facts offend someone, don't change the facts, change the feelings. And I thought that was so profound from Ricky Gervais. You know, sometimes they say, and, I, and I've said this, and I've been told this more often than I care to recount, that the only way to change someone's mind is to make them laugh at their own position. Humor is always the route to change, and music does an even better job. And so as I'm thinking back on this story about how in 1970 the Mississippi Commission for Educational Television deemed Sesame Street was too much for the young children of Mississippi, they weren't ready yet for the inclusive message of Sesame Street, that's kind of what the governor of Florida with his unwoke legislation, his anti-woke legislation, says the children of Florida are not yet ready for inclusion, diversity, and equity? Really? In, in 2023? It just, it just boggles my mind. You know, things like Sesame Street did so much for this nation, for the children of America, who were going to grow up in a world that was different than their parents' world, that was more diverse than their parents' world, that needed to be more inclusive than their parents' world. And again, the left can go too far. There's a, uh, there's a bill being proposed in Olympia this year that would prohibit runaway shelters from letting parents know that their children were there. And I see, I see the thought process behind it. Some children run away from dangerous situations. But this bill is geared toward gender 
uh, how, how did Matt frame this? Matt Markovich was talking about this with us. Gender affirming care. Perhaps? Thank you. Yes. Thank you, Matt. I appreciate that. Matt Butler, ladies and gentlemen. Um, they're worried about children who run away not being able to get gender reaffirming care. And they want to make sure that they can do that without being f- being required to notify parents. I don't know how I feel about that. You know, when a person turns 18, they do with their life what they want to. When they're under 18, it's a, it's a difficult situation to find a, a practical solution for that that is fair and equitable to both parties. But Because when they're under 18, your parents have a guardianship responsibility. But at the same time, there are cases where LGBT trans uh, individuals, trans youth, have been deeply abused uh, uh, for who uh, exactly, they are in exactly, their homes. Which exactly. Is, which I imagine is what he's trying to, the sponsor of this bill is trying to address. I, I can but see I, the I logic. I think this is, this, is, this is perhaps a surgery that is too large for the problem. And surgery being the operative word here because they're talking about gender-affirming care, including not just you know chemical pharmaceutical care, but surgical care you know, remedies to situations. And there's, you know, uh, there are things you can't do as a minor. And I think, again, I'm not only speaking from my beliefs and my feelings on this, but, you know, the story about Sesame Street made me think about these issues, about how we are in a country that's evolving. And and I want to bring this up too before we run out of time tonight. It's the 50th anniversary of Schoolhouse Rock. And I'm not sure if you guys saw this or if if you were raised on Schoolhouse Rock. Matt, you're probably a little young, for Schoolhouse Rock, you're probably familiar with yes, it. Yes, I am familiar with it. But I was literally raised on it. It's, it. It debuted in 1973 when I was 10 years old and Saturday mornings. I can't tell you, I can't begin to tell you how much, you know, this. Woo. You sure got to climb a lot of steps to get to this Capitol building here in Washington. Well, I wonder who that sad little scrap of paper is. I'm just a bill. Yes, I'm only a bill. And I'm sitting here on Capitol Hill. Well, now, I, I'd love to give you all three minutes of this clip. The but these uh, these long, were long so instrumental in educating the kids of this country. Sorry about that. Um, didn't mean to be so abrupt with that. I thought I could fade that out, but I'm a clam. Um, you got to get in here and work on your face. Yeah, I, I really do. Uh, long story short, Schoolhouse Rock probably did more to educate the kids of my generation than any public education bill could have. Uh, the creators of Schoolhouse Rock had the perfect timing with the perfect product. They came to the head of children's program at ABC, who was then um, Michael Eisner, who went on to you know become president of Disney, and said, look, I've got this educational three-minute public service. He came in with three as a magic number, the first element that they were going to use to pitch this program. And they did, you know, multiplication rock, schoolhouse rock, history rock, grammar rock. They did so much to educate the kids of this country. Long story short, it's the 50th anniversary. ABC ran a 50th anniversary special on February 1st, hosted by Ryan Seacrest. Um, and it was fantastic. It was so good. I mean, I literally almost was was misty listening back to and, and reminiscing about this quality programming that did so much for the kids of this country. You know, it had the Black Eyed Peas, Cal Penn, Shaq O'Neal, and Ryan Seacrest again was the host. If you can find it out there, I'm sure it's it's available to be reseen on the Disney Channel or Disney Plus or Disney Pre, whatever you have out there. Even YouTube it if you had. It's amazing and so, so worth your time. And I think every kid, even even kids of today's era, could learn about our government, could learn about grammar, learn about multiplication 
fun, entertainment, useful, the kind of stuff. That's the kind of education. I don't think even the governor of Florida can bitch about this. They sure as heck aren't learning about grammar by texting. Hey, well, you know, autocorrect will fix you. <laughs> That's what chat That's GPT is for, right? Yeah. You need to know how to do that for yourself. Who needs to know grammar? Who needs to know phone numbers anymore, right? It's Kyra Knights. We'll be right back after these. You know, we're going to come back to that tomorrow night, Matt. The 50th anniversary of Schoolhouse Rock. I know it makes me a dinosaur, but I have never seen more feedback from the audience than uh, than mentioning Schoolhouse Rock. I mean, literally, it raised a generation of Americans, made us all a little smarter. I can't to this day say the preamble. I can say the preamble to the Constitution, but not without singing it. We the people, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice and secure domestic tranquility. Provide for the common defense. I, I, I'm serious. I can't do it without singing it. I defy anybody to. Um, Joe and Snohomish, conjunction, junction. What's your function? Seriously, man. What, I learned. That's how I learned grammar. Was from Grammar Rock. It came along when when we needed it the most. And good good on you, Michael Eisner, for seeing the value of three minutes of your Saturday morning sandwiched between cartoons on a Saturday morning. Bunch of kids sucking down a box of sugary cereal. Watching cartoons on a Saturday morning on ABC and watching Schoolhouse Rock. Somebody mentioned, is that Leon Redbone that was singing I'm Just a Bill? Actually, it is a jazz trumpeter and vocalist named Jack Sheldon. And he even had the good common sense and sense of humor to be the vocalist on the Simpsons parody of I'm Just a Bill. They made a Simpsons episode about a flag burning amendment. And, And it was hilarious. And Jack Sheldon sang that as well. Uh, Schoolhouse Rock did rock, man. And I was, I was, you know, beaten on Florida again, as I'm, as I'm prone to do. And, you know, a texter points out Florida is not known as the cutting edge of, uh, you know, inclusion, equity, equality, forward thinking, progressive, you know, yada, yada. But hey, you know, a representative government has representatives that represent the feelings of their citizenry. That's why they were elected. That's why they won an election. More people in Florida feel the way that, Ron DeSantis does, then feel like I do. And I got to respect that. That's which why is, I don't live in Florida. Which is wild, because I remember in recent history, I'm not that old, where Florida was a swing state. It was. And, and it, it could be again. Sometimes if people go too extreme, they lose even their own base. You know, I can see it when you're talking about dividing a, a second grade classroom into black students and white students and telling the black students, you're, you're slaves, and the white students, you're slave owners, and you're the bad guys, and... I mean, and there are classes that do that. Well, that's an extremely it, untactful it, teacher. Too. It is. That's and that teacher dumb. lost their gig. But that's those are the extreme examples that we always seem to point to to say that's what everybody on the other side thinks. I don't think everybody on the other side of my political spectrum is for banning books or banning curriculum. I don't think that's the general purview of the conservative movement. And there's a big dichotomy even in this debate, too, between people who just don't want those things talked about ever and people who say, well, maybe not until a specific age or stage of a child's life. And and to be fair to Governor DeSantis, his unwoke bill is uh, is, is to children third grade and less. And he's he's not wrong. 
in that regard. But I just think if, you know, it, it, don't be, again, don't be, if the facts are offensive, don't change the facts, change the feeling. Thanks again to Ricky Gervais. I'm going to get that whole quote because it was just a brilliant point of view. He goes, if my joke offends you, it's nothing about the joke. It's about your feelings. <sighs> Cairo Knights. And uh, everybody agrees, serving alcohol in adult entertainment clubs, stripper clubs, is a good idea. Hard to find a downside. Now, can from- we just get that lob- same lobbying effort behind delivery for cannabis projects? Come on now. <laughs> S- seriously. I would love to have a business of the, you know, the nice dreams truck, you know, driving around the weed delivery truck. You play all Bob Marley music on the bells as you drive down the street. It'd be perfect. I'd be playing Pusher Man by Curtis Mayfield. Well, that's old, dude. <laughs> that's just me. Uh, well, thanks again for being part of the show tonight, folks. We really do appreciate it. Uh, I'm Spike O'Neill. Matt Butler's on the board. We'll be back tomorrow night. Hope you guys enjoyed it. We'll see you then.